0: Hello and welcome to the Omni Talk Fast Five, sponsored by Fast Sensor and Takeoff. Today is November 12th, 2020. I am Chris Walden, and I am joined, as always, by the illustrious Anne Bazinga, and of course, Emma the intern. I, and, and Emma, I guess. I've, I don't know that you, my friend. have
1: you oh, ever you're... used that word to describe
0: me? To describe you? No. In fact, I don't think I've ever used that word to describe it anyone and I saved oh. it just for you today. Yeah, I was thinking of it last night. I was like, how can I do the intro a little differently? And that's what I did. But hey, the question I've got for you guys today is, and it's three words. And it's an homage to the great Lawrence Olivier in the film Marathon Man with Dustin Hoffman. Is it safe? How are you guys feeling out there? Are you safe? Are you feeling safe? <laughs> God, I feel like I'm at my OB
1: appointment. Are you safe at home? Oh my God. I, I don't, don't know. Does that what your OB <laughs> asks you?
2: Yeah, they yes. always do. They're like, Do you feel safe in your home?
0: Oh, right. In your home. Okay. I thought you meant in the appointment. I was like, damn, okay, what's going on? Wow, this took a turn. That's what I love about their show. You never know what angles or nooks and grannies we're gonna delve into. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I can't honestly say that people have ever asked me that question outside of that occasion. You like this is this is a fast five like no other. We are on, yeah, no, on a road.
0: It is do a you great feel movie. safe,
1: Chris? Maybe uh, not really. No,
0: not so much anymore. No, not in general. I mean, it feels like the, everything's crashing in around us. And like, I mean, the degree, you know, you talk about Kevin Bacon and the six degrees of separation. It feels like there aren't many degrees left in that separation in terms of like what's happening, you know, especially with the relation to the viruses. It's start it definitely hit closer to home. I think for me this week, I don't know how you guys are feeling.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot changing, but maybe I need to send you my Terabroch meditation to just pause and like connect to your breath again so that we keep you alive for the rest of this Fast Five, Chris.
0: Yeah, I'll be alive. This this Fast Five is my favorite thing I do all week. And so we're going to have a ton of fun and we're going to have a blast and we're going to have a good time because in today's show, we're going to talk singles day. JCPenney's new court approved sale we're going to talk about autonomous and also now what is autonomous electric grocery delivery and we're going to end as all things in life really should we're going to end with a discussion on alcohol and beer and wine retailing but first we've got some major news out of Target this week some might even call it and by some I mean of course me the ultimate beauty strategy nope move. nope <laughs> Emma, not, take not away. okay <laughs>
2: I don't know how to take off after that, but okay. <laughs> so, as Chris just alluded to, Target and Ulta have announced a new strategic partnership. And so, Ulta Beauty at Target is going to debut at more than 100 Target stores nationwide and online at Target.com beginning in 2021. And they're looking to redefine the beauty experience with expanded access to curated prestige beauty brands and expert trained beauty consultants. So, And they're looking to make a shop-and-shop experience. So I've seen essentially nothing but praise on this partnership through social media and everything. But it doesn't really make sense to me. Ulta kind of said that they're trying to capture both the younger shoppers and those who get their makeup primarily at, like, one-stop shops such as Target. But these are going to take up a lot of space. And as we were talking, like – yesterday or a few days ago. Like what about all of Target's own brands and then the brands that Ulta chooses to pull into Target? Like that seems really complicated. And I feel like Target doesn't really need Ulta, but yeah, I'm curious to see what you guys think.
0: Yeah. Interesting to hear. Okay. I'm curious. And I I have been debating this in my head, like back and forth and back and forth. And I think there's a lot of angles on this. I'll get to my points in a few minutes, but I think there's, there's just a lot we don't know yet. And I'll talk about why, but I'm curious, and what? Yeah, where are you? Are you kind of like Emma? Or are you like, hmm, I don't, I'm not sure I understand it, even though everyone's praising it. What do you think?
1: I've gone through like lots of seasons of thought with this this whole partnership. I have to say, at first, I was kind of confused. I'm like, man, Target could just bring those brands in, couldn't they? Like, couldn't they just handpick and say, like, okay, we want you know you, you, and you to come in, and we'll do you know whatever our design partnership kind of concept is, but in the beauty space. But then I guess, and you know, it seems really strange because typically Target, I worked in Target Beauty for quite a long time and it was always like, let's test online first and then we'll see about bringing you in store. However, you know, there was this whole beauty reinvention a couple of years ago in the stores and there is quite a significant footprint for that beauty reinvention that I think could work harder. So, you know, a thousand square feet, a hundred locations feels like a lot of locations to start with, so that that seems a little strange to me but net net, I think it's a positive one because ultimately it's a one stop shop. I think that you are allowing people the convenience of getting some of the better brands you know i I don't know many people that just shop one drugstore or just shop one beauty counter. Like it's a collection of product, and that's why Sephora and Ulta are successful. And so I think now that you're combining that into a one-stop shop, you're bringing it onto the target.com app, uh, site and to the app, and you can like start to use loyalty pro- points uh, theoretically th- across both of these. Like I think it's another notch in the one-stop shop target belt. Um, and for Alta, I think it positions them really well because like, if you look at a lot of the mall traffic, Alta is one of the biggest drivers to mall traffic right now throughout the pandemic. So a lot of people are talking about how this makes Alta safe from, from, you know, as an essential being part of an essential retailer, essential which business. I, I'm kind of like eh, a little yeah, bit on that because six months, hopefully, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know, they are consistently driving people to the stores. So for Ulta, this gives them a way one to, you know, help use the the target traffic that's coming into their stores, but also really helps get them a leg up in the competition against Sephora, their next greatest competitor, um, you know, with this hundred stores and then potentially going to the other, you know, 1800 stores and targets chain but okay. So Chris, net, net, you like
0: it. Is that what you're saying? I like saying? it. Net, I like net, it. You like yes. It. Okay. Yes. Net, net what you do like you it. think Yeah. I mean, yeah you're I the mean, merchant I think, of this crew. No, well, no, no. I mean, Hey, you know, I, I think, I think the last point you said is I think the key here is like, and we've talked about this on the show for three years now that the, the digital evolution, so to speak, is creating new bedfellows. And sometimes those bedfellows might appear strange. And so this could be it or, and it could be an absolute great marriage amongst those bedfellows. I think, here, here's the, here are the, here's here are the interesting dynamics that I see. I think you bring up the point about both of you did bringing in new brands. Point of fact, Target cannot get prestige brands. They can get some, and they try, and that's why a lot of times maybe they're limited partner design partnership type things. But they can't the, get the big, they can't get the big cachet brands all that often. Um, I tell the story all the time where I was meeting with one of the big cachet houseware vendors, and uh, the woman said to me, "Sugar, I ain't ever putting my products on your shelves." And that's a true story. Like, as much power and cloud as we had, there were just things that we could not get. Now, the piece with that, and I talked about this with Walmart when they acquired Moose Jaw and all that other stuff, just because Ulta has them doesn't mean the brands are gonna wanna go into Target stores. So, that's the part of this that I'm still not sure how it's gonna play out. That was the whole premise of Target Chef catalog acquisition, and it didn't work for that exact reason. So, I don't know if that's at play here or not. But from a Target perspective, I love it. I mean, Emma, you talked about space in the store. I mean, the key thing is here is like digital is coming. Target probably doesn't need as much space in the store for what it has. So this is a category that can be put in. And to to your point, it still drives traffic. So I think that's also incredibly valuable. Um, But the other angle on here that I'm really interested on the Target side is Ulta selling these products online via Target.com. I think that's beneficial from an order pickup perspective and fulfillment perspective for Ulta. But my question is, how is that going to happen? Is it going to happen traditionally where Target takes ownership of the goods, which is most of what's on Target online? Or is it going to happen by way of Target's marketplace, which they've been quietly standing up where Ulta is still the merchant of record? Because then that changes the distribution and the prestige brand conversation to a pretty great degree online versus in-store or possibly both. I'm hopeful that that's what they're doing because if they are, I think that's really smart. If they're not, then I don't think this is as cool as it sounds. On ulta's side, that's the part where I'm a little, like maybe a little more concerned where you know, a hundred stores. Okay. If you're smart, you're putting it in locations and that's all you do where you don't want to invest in your own heavy infrastructure for stores to be built out. Then, okay. That makes sense. But you've got to be really cautious of that because you don't want to cannibalize yourself over time. But I don't know. Ultimately an interesting marriage. What do you guys think? Am I crazy?
1: Chris, what's happening in the stores versus online? Mm -hmm. Like explain that relationship within target right now, because target is what consigning the Ulta products. Like how are they how is that relationship working in the stores versus how it's going to work online? You like mean the beauty products they carry pre right? Yeah,
0: in I store. mean, most of the time, Target's... No, I mean, Target's just buying those goods for the most part. Uh, I mean, it's happening with Ulta,
1: with Ulta in the stores. Like, would you... Are you suspecting that in the stores Ulta is... The Ulta product is being purchased by target? Like how yeah, is I how is assume, it working I, in store versus online is what I'm trying to get to, I guess.
0: Gotcha. I see what you're saying as we go forward. Yeah. I would assume, I would assume in stores that target will actually be procuring that product in the same way they would otherwise. They'll just be buying it from them and then reselling it to targets end consumer. But online, I don't know how that relationship is going sure. to work. And in stores, they could actually set up a similar type of relationship where it works sure. more like a traditional marketplace. But I don't think you have the technology stood up in store where you could have a different merchant of record for Ulta exactly. products in store. So I think that's almost impossible to do now that I'm talking about it. But, uh, but, but online, there's nothing to prevent that from happening. And again, remember that conversation is national, not 100 stores. <laughs> So I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Um, and I've got inquiries in to try to figure that out. If anyone knows or has any more information, please let us know because I think there's a lot more here to think through.
1: I have one challenge on your brands question. Um, yeah. Where else, are the, where else are the brands going to go? Because these bigger beauty brands right now, the Estee Lauder brands that are one of Alta's major clients... Are they going to are they better off in a department store than a target store right now? I mean is that, that mindset my, yeah. changing? So I guess that's what <laughs> that's the challenge I'd offer to you is in this, you know, pandemic world and moving forward like I don't know if I'm an Estée Lauder brand that I want to be stood up in a Dillard's right now. I just I think Target's wow. probably better and 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 a place for me to reach a new guest, you know, ask, have an aspirational guest that might come across one of my products.
0: Well, I think, yeah, under COVID, I think that's a really important question. That's what we used to always tell them. I'd be like, really, is the department store better than Target from a cachet perspective? Like, really? Or are you just telling yourself that? And I think that's, and I think the, the, the smart brands are starting to get the answer to that question. I think you're dead right, and I mean, look, Alibaba sells a ton of cachet product. Amazon's going cachet. Like, the important thing is to have your stuff where people want to buy it. And so I think that's just a big question for the brands. And I think the smart ones will probably want to come along on this partnership ride for a little bit. But like, remember the black diamond fiasco with Moose Jaw? like some are going to be like, no, I don't want it there. I want to maintain that premium. But again, that also always comes back to how well do you have your distribution controlled as a brand? Like remember Nike pulling back a few months ago, same reason, right? It's going to be different for everybody. Net net. We'll see how it plays out for Target. A good segue though, to our neck. Nice jobs. That's why you're so illustrious. Nice job. Good segue to our next one, which is Alibaba.
1: So no surprise here, but it is worth noting. Alibaba closed singles day yesterday, their 11 day event, $74 billion in sales, $74 billion. It is crazy. Uh, Crazy. It's in the first minute. I always love reading these. I know it's kind of ridiculous, but it's like, you got to pause and just listen to it. So in the first minute and eight seconds of this year's Singles Day, Alibaba said that it pulled in $1 billion in sales. And after an hour, it hit $12 billion in sales. So yeah, un- unbelievable. Um, I think that for us, the, you know we, we got the chance to talk to uh, the T-Mall, um, head of T-Mall for the Americas this week, and we just put that podcast out. But I think for me, what's more important to note is that, you know, five billion dollars, wasn't it, Chris, of the sales were from US companies of that total of the total Alibaba uh, singles day sales. And I think that this is really something that if you are a small to medium sized business in the United States and you haven't started looking at this yet, especially with you know pending <laughs> shutdowns again in the US or you know, whatever is gonna happen over the course of the next, next six months the density of people in China and that Chinese consumer is something that you should be definitely thinking about reaching in some way, shape or form. And they're making it really simple for people to do that. So curious yeah, what you guys, good. what your thoughts are. Did you buy anything for singles day? <laughs> <What> <laughs> Emma, did you buy anything? Did you check out singles day? Emma?
2: I did actually one of my favorite like resale sites, Vestier collective offered 11% off of pretty much everything on the site. So I bought a pair of shoes.
0: Very wow. cool. Very, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. And the, like yeah. how long does it take to get that? Like they just come, like how long is it going to take to get it and all that kind of stuff? Vestiaire. Vestiaire
2: Vestier takes a while because you, like the seller has to ship the thing to Vestiaire's hub, which I think is in Paris. There might be a New York one, but since they're international, they like partake in Singles Day and then they authenticate it and then it gets sent to me. So they're, they're a longer one to get the product, but like 11%... I was like, they, these things never go on sale. So might right. as well.
0: Right. Take, take, take the offer while you can. No, And I think you brought up an awesome point too. I mean, the podcast we did with Tony Shen, uh, you know, of T-Mall, uh, you know, the head of T-Mall here for Americas, um, I thought it's one, probably one of the most important podcasts we've done. Definitely one of the most informative podcasts we've ever done. So if you guys are listening and you have a chance to listen to that, please do. I mean, the perspective I would put on it is this. You look at Singles Day, 800 million consumers participated in single state. 800 That's million. Crazy. I just looked this up a few weeks ago. I think there's only, I think this number is right, but there's only 320 million total people in the U.S. So like if you're a U.S. brand, why wouldn't you think about tapping into the potential of that market? $5 billion of that, was it $74 billion? Ann said was from American companies. You, know, you had 31,000 overseas brands participating in this event. So, like, the cool thing about the podcast is it it actually talks to you about how easy it is if you're a brand to actually do this, and really the only cost to you if you strip it out, because everything's done on consignment. Tmall will help you, and you can decide how much you want to add on in terms of like influencer marketing and different marketing approaches. Over you know over in China, when everything's once on Tmall and set up correctly, but really the only cost is shipping product to L.A. I think it was LA or New York, right? And That's it. And you can decide how much you want to ship and then Alibaba handles the rest. And if your brand's good and it's interesting, like that's a massive, massive, huge ass market for you to hit at literally no risk, no cost. And you could probably stand it up with like one or two people working on it at most or even as a side job, depending on who you are. So like- I don't know. I don't understand why brands aren't on this faster. Kroger was on it like a couple years ago, wrote about it for Forbes. I thought that was cool, but like, you're not hearing nearly enough people talk about this fast. Like we talked about target a few minutes ago, target. Why aren't you selling stuff there? Like, why not? Walmart, you have a presence over there. So like kind of get that already, but like target, you have no overseas presence. Why aren't you doing this? Like, in fact, you're probably like sleep on the wheel. Same with like any of those companies that you could name. So I don't know. I I think it's super cool. And, And any last words?
1: yeah i mean i think the it's and the small businesses too like for sure you have the 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 larger businesses but like tony gave one example of maternity wear why are you as a like you know mid to a high level maternity wear brand you're you're running your bricks and mortar shop you've got all these expenses and you're and the competition is thick in the u.s like you've got a lot of other places competing for that same market and he was talking about this one maternity brand that was just, you know, designed with mom in mind instead of the, you know, cartoon characters and babies just exploded over there. So, <laughs> I mean, everything from Bissell vacuums to maternity wear, there's a market for it. So,
0: yeah, you're right. Start, for the start digging value- in. Yeah, for the option value of what it costs to ship product to LA relative to like running more Facebook ads to hit more people in the US, you could probably find possibly a big payoff down the line with pretty little work. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it, actually. All right, I got the next one. So headline number three is that the sale, and loves this headline too, the sale of JCPenney's finally got court approval. Simon Property Group this week and Brookfield Property Brothers have been approved by court to acquire Penny's retail operations for $1.75 billion in cash and debt, which should, according to Chain Store Age, save approximately 60,000 jobs, which is not something to overlook. The agreement, according to the publication, also includes the formation of separate property holding companies made up of 160 of Penny's real estate assets and all of its own distribution centers, which will be owned now by a group of the company's lenders. The Financial Times also reported that David Simon, CEO of Simon Properties, said that he believes his company, and he was pretty cocky about this, stands to make over $1 billion on the deal, and that they also plan to introduce all the brands that Simon and Authentic Brands have been buying up together, companies like Brooks Brothers, Lucky's, and more, into their JCPenney stores. And Emma, and Emma, let's start with you. Like, are you buying what Mr. Simon's throwing down here?
2: Uh, no, not at all. There's a reason. <laughs> there's a, I feel like there's just a reason all of these companies went bankrupt, and like, if what you're just going to throw them all together in the same like space?
0: Were like, they already all together in the mall? <laughs>
1: yes. Like, <laughs> I'm not buying it. No. Well, and that's the problem. If you take all of your tenants from the mall, David Simon, and you put them into one department store, what is going to happen to the rest of your mall? Like what what else is going in there? I don't understand. Uh, this is just an absolute mystery and like didn't jc penny try this do you guys remember wasn't it last year for holiday they like did it brought in saint john's bay which might as well you know it's like you're gonna do pop oh, pop-up shopping shops like jc penny tried this lionel richie couldn't even save jc like what are you going to do <laughs> that was gonna My happen goodness. yeah right
0: you're right i forgot about that yeah no you're right well, it's like oh sorry i keep going sorry i didn't mean to jump in.
1: no 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 go ahead
0: no, I was going to say, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, if you order a pizza where you get pepperoni on one side and mushrooms on the other, just putting the mushrooms on the side with the pepperoni doesn't mean I'm going to like it any better. That's kind of what I, that's kind of what I'm thinking about here. Like that actually might make it even more distasteful. It's all jammed in there and doesn't make sense. And by the way, who's coordinating all that? Yeah, totally. The other part about this too is, you know, there were all those Amazon rumors and I've still been getting pinged about that a lot. But like, mm-hmm. you know, where is that in this whole thing of, you know, Amazon being fulfillment or whatever, or being like kind of this like, stocking horse thing in this whole equation. Maybe it's still out there, but I don't know. Man. If this is all this is. Like we're gonna put no. lucky jeans in a JC Penney's, Brooks that's Brothers? That's
1: exactly that's exactly what I'm wondering. Like I put in there's a lot of actually a lot of apparel and acquisition news this last week that we talked through yeah. like Steinmart and Rev again from Pier One last week being another one. But the difference with the Simon thing is nobody's talking in these acquisitions about like any omnichannel strategies or like digital strategies. So that is very suspect to me like you're just going to move like the property and the pieces around and i think that that's one big missing piece that i feel like is still outstanding and that i feel like we see in a lot of people who are really focused on on the real estate aspect of it it's thinking about the 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 changing or shifting of the places and the property and not thinking about how people are actually shopping anymore and how your physical spaces need to reflect those changes and it's just a miss i don't know i don't i don't know what to do about this i'm really confused
0: yeah. It's the product problem all over again. I mean, it's like one of the first pieces. I think it's the third piece I ever wrote. It's like the products aren't what differentiates you. They aren't what bring people to you, a physical store. They are important. What you carry is important, but if I can still get those things online, that doesn't solve your problem. It doesn't answer the why of why I come to a physical place to shop. Yeah. And you're right. The stuff that e-commerce ventures we talked about last week, now they're into Steinmart. I don't know, but at least they're trying to roll that all up digitally and try to put right. something around that together. This is totally totally different. Like, why do I want a smaller version of the mall inside of JC Penney's? In fact, the more we talk about this, the more I'm like, man, and you know what my history, every time I see an executive, because I remember target back to, I don't know why I keep bringing target up today. I don't like doing that, but I can remember target CFO getting up and saying, there is no way we're not going to make money in target Canada, like boasting about it and look and see how that happened. Like wait wait until the eggs are hatched, my friend, before you start making those claims. There's no point in doing it. In fact, it makes me think you're actually a little worried about it and you're probably trying to sell it a little hard. All right, Emma, you want to take us to number four?
2: Yes. So number four is all about autonomous delivery vehicles. So the vehicle startup Neuro just hit a $5 billion valuation after a fresh round of funding of $500 million. And they also launched a new vehicle that they call the R2, which is now designed for local delivery service for restaurants, grocery stores, and other businesses. And Walmart is also partnering with a company called Cruise to test out all electric autonomous delivery vehicles in the Scottsdale, Arizona area.
0: Woohoo! Shout out to Scottsdale. All right. Very near my hometown of Tempe. And so what do you think it is? So hot. Oh, so, yeah. Anne almost died there from heat stroke one day. It was pretty <laughs> crazy. Uh, that's actually an awesome story for another day. But and I I when I read this story, my biggest thing, first of all, is that I hope this is actually like it actually looks like a Chevy Cruze and that Walmart's gonna put into the market because that's something Walmart would do. And I really hope Mark Lori is sitting in it while it's making an autonomous delivery. Could you imagine that? The Chevy Cruise just cruising around Scottsdale. It looks so well,
1: we'll make we'll make that video. If it doesn't get made, yeah, right? I might do put on, put on the myself. bald
0: cap and make that video. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the big thing here, though, to me, I don't know that I have much to add on this. And I'm curious what you think too. But I mean, the valuation for this for for neuro doubled. I mean, basically in a year and a half, you know, two and almost two and a half to five billion dollars. Um, you know, it's a important story to know. It's not going away. And I think the cool angle here is not only really talking about Thomas vehicles, but now we're talking about electric vehicles, and that's super cool. But this thing is still i mean for everyone listening we're still talking years years out so don't buy into the hype that this is going to make a huge difference on financial returns for any of these companies you know in the short term and i'm talking like next five years especially so yeah uh, Anna, i, I think know, i add? think it's
1: about it's about what we've talked about as a theme for consistent across the last several weeks it's about getting the product to people when and how they want it and Amazon's making this faster and faster. No surprise there. They've rolled out electric vehicles. So now it's not just about getting the product to customers quickly, but also with the least impact to the environment as possible. So I think, and and I think, you know, over the course of the last six months, especially six to eight months now, companies are understanding how expensive the last mile is. So it's about efficiency. It's about speed. Um, and again, Amazon is going to push every single retailer to do this to meet customers' expectations. And so I think, um, you know, it reminded me of, of a podcast we did early on in the season two with uh, Robomart, just talking about how it's not just either about the delivery aspect of it, but really how this is going to change the whole customer mindset of how you're shopping. And really, like Ali was talking about bringing the store to you, hailing a store like an Uber and bringing that experience to you so just uh, again continuation of this evolution of of shopping and bringing the store to the co- to the consumer
0: it's important not for today but it's important because it could change the game tomorrow i think yes. that's the important thing to keep in mind and who are the companies that are already starting to invest in this and who are the ones that are not and how do you put them on kind of your pecking order from an experimentation innovation standpoint all right, well, sure. let's close it up. I can't wait for this one with the little discussion here. on This one's fascinating, I think. Discussion on alcohol and where it sits in the minds of consumption and retail.
1: Molson Coors has announced a new platform called Revel, which is a direct-to-consumer online site for their UK customers, which will allow them to order things like Coors, Carling Beer, along with other beers, wine, spirits, soft drinks, and snacks – Directly from the website and have it delivered to their homes, guys. I have a question for you How much of your liquor purchases are repeat purchases? Chris, Ooh, start with Emma,
0: you. oh, you want me to start? Yeah, okay, I'll start. Uh,
1: I think I know the answer to this one, which is why I want you to
0: it's high, like, I think and on the percentage basis. Point. You're probably taking 80 to 90%. I mean, you're not talking about this before, but like, I'm a huge Guinness fan for those who are listening. And I imagine like Canada, Carl Butte and Gary Newberry, big Molson fans, I'm sure are like their mouths are watering right now at this point, but like, I'm a huge Guinness fan. And like, if you told me I could just, you know, hit one button and Guinness arrives at my house pretty simply and easily direct from Guinness. And it's almost like on a subscription basis. I'd be all over that. And I think there's a lot of ways to make this work too, which we can talk more about in a second, but like, I don't know, Emma, are you the same way? I mean, I'm trying new things, but I also don't think I need a store for that too, but that's a whole nother point.
2: For sure, especially since you can't really be like tasting different things at a liquor store at the moment. I pretty much order the same things. And mm. if they're just, if I could just have them show up at the doorstep, like I absolutely would not go to a liquor store anymore. I think,
1: I think there's still a use case for the liquor store, but I think that you two are proving my point in that for many people, I think that there are several occasions where you're just getting the same six pack over and over and over again, every time you go in. And especially during pandemic times to just be able to circumvent the liquor store and be like, just refill. I just want to, I want the easy button for my refill of my Guinness. So I think that this, to me, makes a lot more sense than some of the other things that we're seeing go direct to consumer. Like we saw snacks going direct to consumer. Sure, there's there's a use case for that. But I think that this, to me, makes a ton of sense and I think could really have an impact on on how people are refilling their their liquor cabinets and refrigerators.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to do it too, right? Like, I mean... Course can run the front. How they handle the fulfillment? Lots of options for that. They could contract a third party service to go pick from any number of locations, wherever the customer happens to be. They could have partnerships with their retailers. Like tons of ways to do this to make this happen. And you're right, and I think you're hitting on something that's huge here. That's why we put it at the end. It's like this is a repeat purchase behavior in a different way, and something that you know people really at the end that they should experiment. I don't even know it's just repeat though, because I'm curious here too, like. I have bought two things via Facebook slash Instagram over the last week that were beverages, consumable beverages, things that I'm trying, things that I didn't know about, right? And if you haven't been on Instagram shop lately, check it out because that thing is awesome. Like I cannot believe how different that thing is looking and it is freaking cool. But I bought chocolate milk. A 12-pack of chocolate milk through an Instagram ad. I bought Recess, the CBGB drink that makes me feel so much nicer, like I just took a break. That's all trial. That's all stuff that used to happen before in a liquor store. Why can't that same sort of thing still happen through those channels while, you know, Coors, Molson, whoever the hell it is, is still taking this approach? And then figuring out the fulfillment on the backside and you're shaking your head. You agree
1: also possible. And thank you for single handedly keeping the bougie non-alcoholic drink market still in business. Thank you, Chris, for
0: doing, Oh, I always, I always try (laughs) so hard, so hard. Lactose free chocolate milk. It's awesome. Emma. I mean, am I nuts?
2: No, I definitely agree with you. I actually, just when you got into the chocolate milk before you said recess, I was, I see stuff for that all the time. And I was like, I could just order that through Instagram. Like easy.
0: Right, right. And there's so many ways to think about fulfillment. I think that's why there's so much money rushing to that fulfillment space. I mean, God, you saw the, the bet, like even there's so much activity happening, like, you know, BevMo was acquired this, you know, this past week for, you know, not, n- reasons that are you know, germane to the discussion a little bit different, but like, there's just so much money happening here about how to think about this differently. It's just another example of, you know, why it's important to think about how to go direct to consumers. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up. Happy birthday today to Wallace Sean from My Dinner with Andre fame and Princess Bride. And of course, Karen from Will and & Grace and everyone's favorite heartthrob. I know, Ann, I know. He's illustrious in your mind, Ryan Gosling. And remember- Oh
1: my God, it's the baby goose's birthday?
0: It's his birthday today. Oh it's my God. Gosling's birthday. I'm going to order some blah. drinks to
1: celebrate that
0: la la land i'm sure you are and remember if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business make it Omnitalk. our fast five podcast is the quickest fastest rundown of all the week's top news and our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you and all within the preview pane of your inbox sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog thanks as always for listening in please remember to leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is brought to you by FastSensor. FastSensor is the first AI powered business intelligence platform that provides business owners with ROI focused optimization tools tailored to fit your organization. With FastSensor, you can successfully monitor safety, efficiency, and journeys across your organization from customer flow. to to queue management to the effectiveness of digital signage and promotion. Visit fastsensor.com to learn more. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com.